your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Hello and welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 52 and this week we have a guest from Belgium, the country that I live myself as well. Her name is Jeanne Bowden. Jeanne is Managing Director at China Conduct, a company specializing in training and coaching European, Chinese and people from around the globe in EU-China cooperation and communication. As a Belgian-European, Jeanne Bowden holds a PhD in Oriental Languages and Cultures. She spends many years in China studying, conducting research and working in many contexts and positions all over the China, all over the country, including Hong Kong and Taiwan as well. It's a, um, it's it's rather a long interview, and it's about forty plus minutes, but it's very much worth listening to. And at the end, I always ask my guests, like, give us three tips to become culturally competent. But she actually just goes over that and gives us, gives you, gives us five tips to become more culturally competent. So do make sure you do listen all the way to the end. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, uh, Jeanne. How are you? Good morning, Chris. Did, did I pronounce your name correctly, first of all? Yes, you did, actually. Because there's a very strong identity with names, how they're written and they're, how they're pronounced and with how people perceive their identity, I think. Well, I don't know if it's identity, but uh, I think you're right that most people are a bit sensitive about how their name is pronounced. Mm-hmm. And it, it, especially if you talk about cross-cultural contexts, I think uh, we make a lot of mistakes. Yes, I think we do, yes. Yeah. Typically, typically on the topic that's uh, that's on the table right now, uh, which is you and China or China and you or us and China or whichever way you want to put it, because I think we... We as Westerns might have a lot of difficulty pronouncing Chinese names in a, in a correct way. Yes, and but, vice versa. And vice versa likely as well, I reckon. Okay, but first let's get back to basics and, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? Um, where are you currently as we're recording this? And what is your cultural frame of reference, please? Well, um, I was born in the north of Antwerp, very close to the border with Holland, and part of my family was also Dutch. Um, So I was uh, raised with a kind of an awareness of cultural differences, you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, I've lived in Belgium most of my life, and now currently I'm in Ghent, also in Belgium. But I started to study Chinese in 1989, which is uh, some time ago. Mm And since then, I've spent a lot of time in China. Um, well, since the beginning of the 90s, I've spent uh, a few months a year, at least each year. I've, I've spent uh, uh, time in China, so no year has passed that I was not there. Mm-hmm. So I feel that I've really riv- lived through the, the changes that China went through. And as I went very deep into the Chinese culture, I became more aware about my own cultural background, especially in cooperating with the Chinese. I think, uh, well, my frame of reference is I don't look at myself as uh, someone from Flanders or Belgium Mm -hmm. necessarily, but I do look at myself as a European. Mm -hmm. 
Um, because Europe is very, um, well, large and diverse. You have very diverse cultures in Europe, mm-hmm. but we also share a number of things. And especially in relation to China, I think uh, I like to talk about uh, the European, um, well, can you call it a model? It's a way that society is organized mm-hmm. and absorbed all kinds of things we have learned to do things in a certain way and in spite of all the differences we do share a number of yeah um, commonalities that we use communication and so on and uh, but i like i said it's for me it's very much in relation in relation to china china i've um well i've i've studied and researched uh, um what it means to leadership in China, organization, um, and so on. So I think uh, I would like to talk about the European model and the Chinese model because it's very interesting to um, to reflect on the fact that as Europeans, we very often take things for granted. We even seem to think that the world will evolve into our model because it's we find it very... That's, how, that's the European model, our model. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, and we, we like to, well, very often we are not even aware of the fact that the way we work uh, is not universal and we tend to measure the world uh, to our standards. Mm-hmm. And the Chinese model, if I may call it like that, I, is, works totally different. Mm-hmm. And in the cooperation between, between China and Europeans or Westerners in general, I think we need to find a way. These two models need to fit together somehow. Um, so that is my the context that I would like to to put myself in uh, for this talk. I think you need to live like two hundred years or something to achieve any of this. It's, well, it's, that's quite a big a big a challenge or challenge or, or or goal. I think you set yourself. No. Um, well, of course you can never um, grasp the whole of that, mm-hmm. but I do think that. Well, I've spent I'm I've spent my life studying China and I am a European and studying China means for me also, well, I cannot think about the one without the other. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, it's like, yeah, looking into a mirror, but, and, and also I, within China conduct, uh, yeah, I established uh, this organization, uh, China conduct in mm-hmm. 2002. And, um, I think many people who do this cross-cultural training thing, um, they focus very much on their person. Um, but within China Conduct, and that is also the reason I don't have a picture of myself on the website, mm-hmm. um, I work very closely with Chinese colleagues. But because for me, um, working between the West and China means to always try to encompass both of the viewpoints. So I've, I give a lot of training together with a Chinese colleague. And even now, after 20 years uh, or even more, I think that, um, well, you you learn to, to look at things in a certain way and it's very difficult to really overcome that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can adapt to contexts and you can adapt, you can, like when I'm in China, I behave differently and I'm, 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 I adapt to the context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the Chinese who live here for a long time, they also adapt to the context, but I can see that a context can have influence on the way people behave. And so culture for me is not a static thing. It is something that, that well, it is more a dynamic thing. Mm-hmm. Because, for instance, if you very often when you work in companies, 
uh, Western people tend to say, um, oh, but now China is not like that anymore and they're changing and now China is also modern. And of course, China is more modern, more modern than the West in many ways. Mm-hmm. But saying things like that means that you don't recognize uh, patterns that you have learned, I think. And I've seen very often how a young Chinese who has studied in the West and adapts very easily and very flexible to the context of working in an international company, put the same person in a purely Chinese context and he or she will behave totally differently because different things are expected in that context. And it is that, that um, well, I think that is that is what we we need to understand each each other's logic before we can deal with it and and dealing with logic means also um knowing your own logic in this cooperation yes because i think cultural differences they're they're about you and not about the other per se yeah yeah is is there um, any any particular reason you ended up in china and not india or um japan well, or um, something well The reason I ended up in China was um, I, I always, since I was very young, I had an admiration uh, for the Chinese characters, uh-huh. the aesthetic part of it. Yeah. Even when I was very young, I had Chinese characters copied on my wall because I liked it. Mm. This this was a time that knew, no one knew where China was, uh, so to speak. <laughs> um, so I, I when I decided to go uh, to study Chinese, many people said then, at least study some Japanese. That is a language you can use. Yeah. But um, no, I saw, well, it's it's also, how do you make decisions in life? It's mm. coincidentally or yes. not, or, or just, yeah, you take a decision and then you go along. And it's actually, when I studied uh, Chinese, I liked it very much, but China was still pretty far away. But um, yeah, somehow it caught, especially when I was working on my thesis, I... Uh, my dissertation, I knew this is it. I knew this is what I'm going to spend my life on. Um, and then, of course, you start a kind of a process that you cannot stop anymore because yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel it. Uh, well, it makes good sense. Yeah, you've invested so much and, and I mean, time-wise, capacity-wise, mentally-wise, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that yeah. makes good sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, there's one thing because we talk about uh, cultural differences, but I do think also that when we talk about China, um, well, and about any area, uh, what we tend to address as culture Mm -hmm. is for me not necessarily culture because I I can see that Western people working in China and vice versa, Mm -hmm. uh, Chinese people working here, they tend to... Anything that they don't understand, they tend to address this to the culture. Well, it's a different culture and we don't really understand. And But for me, it's much more complex than just culture because, um, well, you work in a different business context. Mm-hmm. Uh, China, political, economical, that's one and the same thing. The model that China devel- developed over the past decades, um, it's a combination of all kinds of things. And... Um, well, sometimes when I give a lecture, I like to answer the question, why Why could China grow so fast? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is related to politics, economics, also to the legal system that China has, which is, um, well, China has, the, 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 the legal system that China has is a combination of very long traditions and the socialist uh, uh, legal system and then copy-paste of the... the um, 
European uh, legal system. And it's a mixture of, of all that. And the Chinese call it whatever they, they like to absorb. They then call it with Chinese characteristics. But no one ever knows what this means. Mm-hmm. But I think this is, for instance, this legal aspect. People deal with China as if it has the same legal tradition as in Europe of 2000 years. While if you look at the laws that China uses today, they are stipulated over the past decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, well, there's a lot of complexity in that too. And then um, also in, in China, well, I said uh, I had a fascination for the Chinese characters, mm-hmm. but I think the linguistic part of cooperating with China is also really underestimated. Is that just, like, are, you, are you referring to the language, just speaking yes, the language right now? Yes, the, yeah. Not only speaking, but also reading. I uh-huh. think uh, generally speaking, we just ignore it. We ignore because we we put um, a kind of a, we say oh this Chinese language it's too difficult we are not going to start it mm. and we put a limit that is a threshold that is not necessary for ourselves mm-hmm. and we make it impossible actually and um, yeah by doing that we also put a lot of. Um, decision making and power on the Chinese side the Chinese they learn English mm-hmm. um, and well a few Westerners learn Chinese but far too too to, to little people to few people mm-hmm. so we really I think this is something we need to address if we um, yeah in the cooperation with China we just even when people go they go to China they don't speak Chinese they need to rely on translators they rely on the people who speak English which are very often the young people who have nothing to say and all the attention goes to these young people so for me it's much more complex than just cultural differences it's it's um I'm listening with, uh, uh, and of course, can't uh, have to fill the silences as well. Or maybe from a Chinese perspective, that's not a necessity uh, per se. I'm just thinking about about what you've said earlier and what you're saying right now and about my own experience working uh, with Chinese and in China as well. Um, so I'd like to step back maybe two or three steps here. And you mentioned, and that's something that you say as well, you, what is what we generally address as culture in EU-China cooperation is not only culture, but political, economic, legal and cultural context resulting in a certain kind of behavior. Awareness is not enough to deal with this. That yeah. I think this comes from your, your China yeah. Conduct uh, website. Yeah. It, it, would you agree with me and that political, a, a political system, not per se the Chinese, but also the Chinese political system, the, the Chinese economic system, the Chinese legal system, all stem from the cultural background of China? as it does in Belgium, as it does in Germany and India and the United States. So that culture lies at the, at the root, at the base of what we currently perceive, what is what currently is there. Mm-hmm. So it's first culture and out of culture comes the economic system. It's first culture. Out of that comes the educational system, the legal system, the whatever yeah. the medical system that you have. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay, okay, well. <laughs> well, um, well, it's a, a, a complex, uh, well, it's a way of looking at it, of course. Yeah. Uh, because indeed, if we, if you look at the European culture, what I think, what I call European culture is the, we have a debate culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we inherited the Greek, Roman, Christian enlightenment uh, traditions, which results in the, the culture and society, that's societies, I would call it, yeah. uh, that we have today. 
Um, so yeah, okay, you could call all that um, culture, but yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's a thought that I have. And it, there's no absoluteness. And, and in culture, everything is gray there. No, there's no yeah. black and there's no white. There's certainly no right and no wrong there. Yeah. It's, it's, you asked, you say in lectures, you ask, why, have, why has China grown so fast? For me, the answer would be, well, if you look at China and you, you would use the Hofstede model, and you'd look at power distance, for instance, a hierarchy, in other words. It's relatively high in, in China as compared to um, European countries or certainly a couple of European countries like the UK and the Netherlands and Germany. Why has China grown so fast? It's because the leader, the boss decides, the government decides that this is the way that we're going and it turns out to be successful. Um, and that's that will be the reason that China has grown so fast. And of course also because if that's this massive population um, – that can that can do so much work, and that sort of makes our our uh, economies work as well. Am I am I somewhat on track with that? Well, uh, part of it is true, but I think it's more complex than that because uh, yeah. Uh, okay, you have a political system, but I do think that the confusion uh, from Confucius, the Confucian background of China, uh-huh. is. Um, it's it's responsible for the top-down and centralized uh, model that China has already for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. But it's more, um, well, the Chinese, I, I would call part, and that is what they also perceive as their culture, mm-hmm. part of it is also the hard work, the perseverance, yes. and, to, and to wanting to go ahead. Um, so on the one hand, you have the, the top-down system and the top decides and, okay, it's implemented in a large area and people tend to follow it because those who follow will be rewarded and those who don't follow will be pushed out or left out. Mm-hmm. So it's just that, that is one of the reasons, but I also think that, uh, well, the, 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 the mindset of, of very hard work that is also for me one, plus the fact that the Chinese are very, very much, um, well, group oriented. Mm-hmm. The, the networks underlying everything, how, how things work in China, the Guanxi system, well, the, in, if you would compare, for instance, uh, uh, China to Japan, which is also a Confucian, mm-hmm. uh, same, in somehow the same cultural route, you could say. Yeah. But then the Chinese tend to be very loyal towards the company they work in. The, Chi- the Chinese, they are loyal towards their own network. And that is one of the things I've been studying over the past decades, how, how um, what happens in China, how strongly this is influenced by the underlying networks mm-hmm. in society, not only in China, but also outside of China. So how can China grow so fast and how now currently... Um, the Chinese are coming to Europe uh, because the government has said it's time to go out. And uh, But the, these networks, they don't only exist inside of China, but also outside of China. I can see how it works here. I can see how the whole Chinese system works until here at our doorstops. Yeah, with links back to the homeland. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it's a combination. It's not only politics. It is also kind of loyalty of the Chinese that they mm-hmm. have towards their their motherland or, or group yeah. and yeah and then if you take two Chinese they will be competitors but towards the homeland there is this loyalty 
that um, well that makes China very strong on a global on a global scale. I yeah, think. it gives them a, an, an advantage that we don't don't experience as we as as in Western Europe or North yes. America, if you want. Yeah, yeah, and I think in in our societies we have gone to the other extreme of everyone looks after himself. Yeah. Um, myself which, and I. Which, yeah. Yeah, which also has uh, nice things about it because everything has two sides to it, of course. Uh, but this is one of the things that I find so um, yeah fascinating mm-hmm. about the Chinese, how they work and how how loyal they are towards each other mm-hmm. and how we as Westerners remain outside of that. Yeah. Even if you speak Chinese and even if, like just last week, I, I ended up in a in a situation with two Chinese who do- didn't know each other within 10 minutes, they found someone that they both know. And it's, it's as if they are friends for life and they call me the outsider. Yeah. This was in Belgium. So, um, yeah, this, this very strong linkage that, uh, Chinese people have, I think that's, that is also something that makes China very strong. Don't, don't you feel in situations like that, and they must have happened more often with you because you're, you're half an insider. I mean, speaking the language to some extent, um, not saying that you speak the language to some extent, but to some extent that would make you partly an insider. Doesn't that make you feel very ungrateful? Like I've, I've, I know so much about your country. I know so much probably about your history of your country as well. And then still you don't treat me as one of yours. Is that, how do you feel about that? Um, well, it's very double, yeah. uh, ungrateful. I wouldn't say, but, but I, I react to this, you know, I said, uh-huh. I'm, you are the outsiders here. I'm the Belgian. Yeah. <laughs> I make jokes about that. And I do, um, well, um, it's very double because on the one hand, I get a lot of respect from the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, if you reach a certain level, then the Chinese, I'm a woman, but the Chinese would call you Mr. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of... Uh, Even though you're a woman, they would call yes. you Mr. in your face. Yes, yeah. because if you reach a certain level, you get a lot of respect. Yes. But I will never be a Chinese, so I remain a non-Chinese. Yeah. But if you understand the way that the Chinese think, well, yeah, okay, you can like it or not like it. That's the way it is. You yes. cannot change. <laughs> yeah. I will never be Chinese. No. Um, and they, yeah, and also this, there's this, uh, the Chinese, they, they tend to say, ah, but we understand Europe, uh, we understand the Europeans far better than they understand China, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But I think this is related to ways of communicating because the Chinese, where we have a really a debate culture and we throw everything on the table and we discuss and, and the Chinese do the opposite. They wait and see. And this is an image that I really like to use also in the in the workshops. Um, if you to to show cultural differences and people with experience in China, they they know very well what this means. Mm-hmm. The concept of a meeting. If you look at a meeting in the West, it is a functional thing, mm-hmm. and only the people who are connected to the subjects that will be discussed will participate in the meeting. It's mm-hmm. like a closed circle. People sit around the table as equals and everyone is expected to give feedback and input and, and to take actively part in what is discussed. Mm-hmm. Then we organize it one item. We have an agenda, one item. We discuss, we come to a consensus, we move to the next, discuss, come to a consensus and so on. This is the dynamics like they happen in most of the time in meetings here. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who are not, who should not be there, they are not there because if they would come in, you would look at them and say, what, what are you doing here? While a meeting in China is a, like a public gathering 
and nothing well it's it's face is at stake and um, and and harmony is at stake so it's it's not a functional thing and this is one of the very different like people come and go and and you don't know exactly who you talk to and the chinese tend to to uh, remain silent and listen to you and 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 so on and so on um, so you do everything up front or after the meeting. But I think this is a very nice example of cultural differences mm-hmm. because we have in the West, this is the model that we know and we make agreements between equals. So we, we have this consensus that everyone will follow. But in the Chinese context, there is no such a thing as consensus. There, it does not exist yeah. because the person you talk to, well, he might have something to say, but he, he might not be the person who can make the decisions. And so th- this is uh, one of the big differences, I think. Well, th- it's, it's a, a way, an example of, of how, how you can show differences mm-hmm. in how people behave. Yeah, very much. Oh, yeah. I've, and I've, I've seen it. I've, I've experienced the whole thing exactly like you, like you described as well. Is it, uh, talk about Asia as a bigger region, although China is an enormous country in and by itself. I get a lot of feedback from people saying, telling me that in order to do business, no, the order in ease of doing business with Asian cultures, which is a very general statement, is as general as saying European culture, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's the Japan or Japanese are the most difficult ones, then the Chinese, then the Indians. Would that make sense to you? It does make a lot of sense to me. It does or does not? No, no, it does not. Okay, well, it, no, what that means? Because, because I mean, that's not my this, my personal experience, but it's the feedback I hear all the time. Yeah, I first of all, who says this, and how has this person experienced it? Um, it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh-huh. I don't think we can talk about they are the most difficult or we are the most difficult. Uh-huh. Or I don't think it works like that. I think, like I said, people behave differently in different. Um, in different contexts. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know. I, I would think that, um, I would think that I would find it easier to work with Japan than to work with China okay. because it's more, well, the system that they use, it's also centralized and, um, and top down and so on and so on. And, uh, the way decisions are being made, um, has a certain pattern that is quite easily to recognize. Um, which I bring back to the, to the, the legal, uh, the, the legalist confusion system that, uh, where it came from. Um, uh, but I think uh, in China, you have the complexity of this same cultural model. Um, and on top of that, there's communism and there's uh, all kinds of China has a tendency to absorb anything that it can use and make it Chinese. Uh-huh. Um, so that makes it very complex. And on top of that, I think we cannot talk about, well, what does that mean? Asian cultures. I think Indian people would not agree that, well, they are Asian because for us, they are in the, on that side of the globe. Yes. But they are not Asian. They are people. Well, they look, we are, that's like, we are all the Westerners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're Indian and then they're the Chinese, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I find that quite uh, amazing sometimes how people yeah, people want uh, uh, cross-cultural training and they say, well, but we don't want to focus only on, on China. We want uh, an Asian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, well, I tell them that I it's impossible. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. impossible. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we want a person. What kind of person do you want? I don't know, any person. I mean, you have to be more specific than just saying Asian. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and also I think um, this is something else related to cooperating between uh, between cultures is that um, if you deal with, well, that is what I see, what companies do. If a Western company works with China, then any Chinese will do to make the bridge. Very often, um, a Chinese who has studied in the West uh, is put in between, and then this person gets all the responsibility, or mm-hmm. far more than he can carry, about yeah, to bridge the two. Mm-hmm. While, first of all, who is this person? It's not because he lived in the West that he, under- that he also studied how things work here, and so on. And I think very easily we tend to look at um, people who make the bridge like that, Oh, but we do have a Chinese, or we have a Chinese who speaks English. We don't, yeah. yeah. And on, and the same for the Chinese. They they any Westerner will do to make the bridge. And this is also a mistake that we make. I think it's um, we we all act as if it's all very easy. And yeah, yeah. It, it brings me to a question that we we previous previously just discussed just before hitting record is um, why do you think that cultures brush over culture so quickly? So they, it's, it's it seems so easy. We all have a fax or email nowadays, and internet and yeah. websites and stuff like that, and then. We think we as Westerns we go and do business in China, and then yeah. it's like, oh, hey, that does that works. It works slightly different, or it doesn't work. Yeah. It's not doesn't go as expected. Why yeah. are we so stubborn in, in understanding this? Well, I think um, why it's very. I, I I also find it amazing mm-hmm. how people can say, well, I work in China, but I do it my way, and <laughs> oh, I don't need this this training or whatever coaching, and um, because. The Chinese I work with, they are different and they are modern and whatever. Yes. And I do think that this is very much, people are very much self-centered. They are Euro-centered. They are Sino-centered. Uh, they, they, they don't succeed in, in overcoming this, this self-centered view. And um, I don't know why it is, but I think it's just because people, yeah, I, maybe this is a, this is human. I don't know that people tend to they grow up somewhere. That is what they know. That is the standards. That is the framework that they know, and it feels this is what they know. So it feels very comfortable, and it's easier, I think, for people to just stick to that and ignore the rest. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they think, mm-hmm. than to to open up. Because I, I, what I see during the trainings is that people, it's like um, I, I very often work with people who have been working in China for for years, mm-hmm. and you give them this framework, and it's like an aha erlebnis. <laughs> they ah, suddenly they understand why things are like that, yeah. and. Um, I, we, we we don't ever, well, not ever, but very often we don't realize we need our safety belt before we start driving yeah. rather than afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I would, I think it's just self-centeredness. I, I don't know. I don't know why, what else it could be. Mm-hmm. And I think also because when I look at myself, I studied Sinology. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent a lot of time in China, but it was only when I reached a point where I became aware of 
things work differently here that I started to dig deeper mm -hmm. that my own eyes opened up. I had already spent a few years in China coming and going and working with the Chinese and studying there and living among them and amongst them. And I think, um, well, you need to reach a point, either someone tells you or you need to reach it yourself that you, you need to become aware. And that is the first step that you take, but awareness is not enough. Like we said, yeah. it's not enough. Well, you can open your eyes and people sometimes also expect, ah, they, they have this one day training and ah, now they know, but it's a lifelong process. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, the, it's like being aware that smoking is dangerous and uh, it could kill you, yeah, but yeah. it doesn't make any difference if you don't do anything about it. Yeah. 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 So, so, for, so yeah. we're telling the world, we're preaching to each other. We're converted already. So basically yeah. what we should shout out to the world, guys, get, get aware and get culturally competent before you go out into the world. Not only China, but uh, China as well, including China. So yeah. is it, is it as a, as, as a Western company, because that's, that's part of your model. I think it's, it's the West and, and China uh, or China and the West interchangeably. Companies, um, Western companies, are they able to do business on their own in China or should you always have a middleman or a translator or somebody who knows the ropes? Well, first of all, the word translator is a wrong word because uh -huh. it's not only about language. Yeah. I think it's an illusion as a Western company to have control there mm -hmm. uh, in China. Um, I think you, you, th that is the key importance that you connect to Chinese who are loyal to you and who help you to open the door. It's, 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 it's impossible mm -hmm. to just go there and just do your thing. On your own, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also uh, what you said, uh, well, we, until now, we work for, for mostly for Western companies dealing with the Chinese, but this is changing also because the Chinese are coming out. And that is also what we see that more and more the Chinese, they're really proactively, uh, they want to invest in Europe. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we see that companies here are not ready for that. They are, well, the, Ch the Chinese are, well, it's so far away for them. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is, if I would, uh, yeah, awareness is one thing, but knowledge is also so important. You knowledge of? Knowledge in general of the people you deal with, of the okay. context yes. behind the people you deal with. And I think this is, uh, well, once you reach the state, the, the stage of awareness, I think it, the next step is to, to, to research and study the logic of your counterpart. Um, And to understand what this means, not only from books, but also by very closely interacting and learning to know the reality. Mm -hmm. yeah. Only then it can work, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's okay. And then still, people have to realize that this is actually the fact. Most of my clients come back to me, or come to me actually, saying, you know, there's something. You said something about culture. What is that thing? Because it doesn't seem to work as we're currently doing it. So they've yeah. they've bumped their nose already. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But that is that's a pity, you know, because yeah. so many problems can be avoided. Yeah. But no, people have to. No, we know it. And first, they have to bump into the wall and lose <laughs> lots of things That's before they, they can take the step to to yeah to to face reality yeah. one can almost exactly say. you have to get the warning from the doctor like yeah. danger smoking is going to kill you yeah and it is killing you so stop it and then people might realize and some even even then don't realize it yeah so basically the message to our message to the world is is get in touch with us get in touch with the, with jean get in touch with me 
and and educate yourself. Yeah. Um, I have a, 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 a closing in towards the end here uh, of this uh, of this very interesting interview. We could go on for hours, but I tend to limit it around thirty, a little over minutes. Um, very general question is is what do you think will be the future of of China and its business relationship with the West? Um, I mean, in the, in the whole big bigger scheme of things, the, the the cultural things, the political, the economical. Can you repeat your question? Yeah. So, what do you think will be the um, the the future for China and its business relationships with the West, vice versa? I mean, it works both ways. Yeah. Um, I think the future for China, well, automatically, I think um, I'm a European. Mm -hmm. Automatically, when you raise me that question, I think, what is going to be um, the future for Europe? Mm -hmm. Because already now, um, well, in 2013, China established uh, the Asia uh, Investment uh, Infra Infrastructure Investment Bank. This, this is like a, a second world bank uh, where a lot of countries have already subscribed to. Which, which China uh, China has the majority, so this means something. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, uh, China has launched a project, the One Belt, One Road, which is going to span the globe. Uh -huh. uh, the Chinese have been building for decades. They have uh, points of influence all over the globe. On top of that, they have Chinese in the diaspora all over the globe. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, well, if things continue, then... I sometimes wonder: Is um, the European, the European model like we have it now, with the rule of law and things like that, is it going to survive? Mm. Um, so it depends on what happens in China internally, of course, because they have their own tensions and problems. But um, and also, I, I my focus is very much on China. Uh, but I'm aware that apart from the rise of China, there's other global uh, powers ongoing. So mm -hmm. we will see what happens. But the future for China uh, and for the Chinese business model is, well, the Chinese, they think that the, the, their way of organizing and doing things is, is uh, superior to what we do with all our discussing and, and endless debates. And so... It will. We will see what happens, but uh, I think. Um, well, we better start to learn some Chinese. I think. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we better open our eyes because um, China is is growing and it's 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 here. Yeah. It's it's ongoing, and we don't even we ignore it. We don't see it. Um, yeah, it's true. It's, it's like an ostrich politics in a way. Stick yeah. your head in the sand, yeah. and if it's yeah. not, if you, if you don't see, it's not there. You know, yeah, and it's also because the the way the Chinese work, they don't come, well, they had the military parade, of course, uh, to show that they also have an army, but the Chinese don't use, they don't use the military power. They come from inside. And that is why we don't see it, I think. They, can't, they don't come with the big words and the big guns and they, they sneak in. Um, maybe that's a negative thing, yeah, but they yeah. come from inside. They enter. Uh, <laughs> And, um, yeah, that is the power that I see growing and growing on a daily basis and that Europeans don't, um, don't recognize. Okay. So I think, uh, well, um, I think we can learn from each other. Um, I think, um, well, it's, it's more complex than what we can say in, in just a few words. 
But I do think that there are some things that we can learn from China um, in the way of organizing things, things, not only the top down, I, that would not work like that in the West. But I do think like only centralizing information is even something that we don't do. Everything is fragmented here. Yeah. So I do think that we can learn from the Chinese and from the, the business model that they have. Um, and I hope that, yeah, I, that we, we find a way to meet each other somewhere. Um, because, yeah, China also wants to learn from the West and, and absorb from the West what, what they can use. So there's this very um, yeah, intense curiosity mm -hmm. and wanting to learn. And I think we, well, the Eurocentric Europeans, they think there's nothing in China that we can gain, but we could learn a lot from the Chinese as well. Yeah. Okay, well, it, it, round, rounding it up like that, I mean, either with China or in general, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent? Uh, well, become aware, but I, I don't, there's no magic wand. Um, become aware is the first thing. Mm -hmm. Open your eyes and then um, study. Make sure that you, you know the, the, not only the so-called cultural background, but the context uh, where people come from. So that how can you develop a strategy if you don't even know the, the background of the people you talk to? Mm -hmm. So I think to, to to gain knowledge about each other is what, what, what's a good source to do that? How do you how would you do that? Uh, well, I, I don't have this. Uh, well, I wrote a number of books myself mm -hmm. um, to help people, um, and uh, yeah, I I think what is a source cultural training from anyone will help to do this. Mm -hmm. But I think um, to gain knowledge. You really, um, well, the, if you, the knowledge that we have in Europe about China is so low, it's, it's what comes from the media. Yeah. Um, and I do think that, um, well, there is not just one book that I can mention that everyone should read. Um, but, um, yeah. What, what would be a third one then? Um, then experience for me, okay. experience, know the reality. Um, and that is not just go to China once or uh, the Chinese coming here once, but really when you cooperate on a daily basis, whether it is long distance or you go to China, um, um, make sure that what you experience, that you live that more in more aware than you would do normally. Yeah. So I think the experience is also crucial. Um, and of course, it's not possible that, that everyone takes a plane and spends a half year in China and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And, but it is, I, I find it very often amazing how people don't use the tools that they have. Yep. Uh, very often Chinese come to Europe for training, but because we are so fragmented, we don't use these opportunities to connect. And I think there's far more opportunities to really connect to each other and to build a long-term um, better relationship than just just to take there in front mm -hmm. of us. And that is also something that I think that people need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
No, it's a, it's it's good stuff. It's a, it, it all makes sense, and it's it's exactly like we we said before. Wear the safety safety belt before you start driving. Yeah. Get educated, um, and when you go to China, get lost there, and 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 enjoy that getting lost and that that experience with that comes with that. I think. Yeah. It's a, and it's don't a, be naive because there's a there's this mythologizing of China. You know, it's very difficult for Western people to talk about China as just a country. Either people totally admire it yeah. or people totally look down on it. And it's very difficult to rationalize China. And it's, it speaks to people's imagination. And um, I think we should try and rationalize. And, and for me, there's also a big difference uh, between working with the Chinese that you know and then the whole system. And I think uh, you need to connect to the people that you work with. Uh, and that is a good first uh, step to to work together and to move forward, I think. You gave us five tips there. Yeah. <laughs> That's very nice. All right. Um, Jean, if people, <clears throat> excuse me, if people want to get in touch with you, how could they best do that? Well, they can go to the website, uh, chinaconduct.com and uh, email to at, uh, info at chinaconduct.com. All right. That Fantastic. Be, um, yeah. Okay. Chinaconduct.com and info at Chinaconduct.com. Yeah. Jean Bowden, thank you very much for taking the time to elaborate and have this very um, easygoing discussion and uh, exchange of ideas when it comes to doing business between the West and China and China and the West and vice versa. It's an ongoing discussion, I think. And, yes, uh, but I would also like to thank you for this opportunity. My pleasure. I, also, I enjoyed it very much. Okay. Uh, it's thank always you. nice to talk to colleagues. Also. Yes, I very much agree. Okay, well, thanks again for taking the time. Um, Enjoy the rest of the holidays because we are recording this at the end of December in 2015. Although you might be listening to this in uh, in January 2016 or later in time as it is. Everything that's been mentioned in terms of show notes, you can find back at culturematters.com. And Jean, I'm pretty sure we'll talk to each other in the future. Okay, that's fine. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this 52nd episode of the Culture Matters podcast. If you've listened all the way, then you've just been treated to five tips to become more culturally competent. And, you know, wear that safety belt before you go out there and do your intercultural business. Get in touch with either Jean or with myself. Go to culturematters.com, fill in the context, uh, the contact form, and uh, we'll start a discussion on how I could help you to become more culturally competent. Thanks again. I'll be back to with you in about two weeks. Take care. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.